Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I was working on a job down in Bath and it was middle of English winter and we were plastering and we had deadlines to hit. So normally you have to let the plaster dry for so long before you do stuff, but we didn't have time to do it. So we had these heaters in and swear to God, they looked like rocket engines. You Mm -hmm. could not stand anywhere near them, probably within about two metres of them because (laughs) they were shooting out fire. God knows how much um, electricity they use, but we had like three or four of them. But I used to go and stand in the room to get warm because there was no windows. (laughs) (laughs) My desk, there's no windows. I had no electricity or like a light bulb. That was all in my office, which was one of the rooms in the, it was sheltered housing that we were building. And I had to have my desk near the window. And because Mm. the walls hadn't been sealed, I had to have like bricks on top of all the papers to hold it down because the wind was blowing through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the joys of working on a building site honestly oh, do you miss working on building sites sometimes I, it was a lot of fun i didn't Builders like are the a, work a breed of their own oh, yeah no, just so much fun <laughs> I, I didn't like being a qs as jamie will tell you because it's basically the same job that jamie's doing i enjoyed it like working with the subcontractors because i was in charge but i didn't like the fighting that you had to do for everything you know, oh, the arguing yeah. about the day works and the extra overs and the variations and, and whether you'd actually done the work or not. I, I just didn't like all the conflict. Yeah, it was basically about arguing with people and I was like, no, I don't like that. I like to work with people and just be fair. But yeah. that's not what a QS's job is. But working on site, yeah, loved it. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I've been struggling with is that when I got sick, I had everything under control. I was fully functional and then I got sick, right? And for all intents and purposes, woke up two weeks later. And I kind of remember being awake, but in the way that like sleepwalkers remember being awake. I remember kind of fuzzily things that happened occasionally, but my memory is still kind of fuzzy, you know? I still forget things halfway through a sentence. You know, I can't have an argument with someone because I'll forget what I'm arguing about halfway through. And it's getting steadily better, you know, as we get further and further away from it. But it just, it's kind of, every time I I got better on the recovery process and said, okay, now I'm at 100% again. And then the next day I'd be even better and say, okay, now I'm at 100% again. You know, and then you'd be even better, so on and so forth. You don't realize when you've only got a limited functionality, just how limited it is. So it became a bit of a joke that in in our household that I would just... um, I just forget what I was saying halfway through a sentence that I couldn't keep up with conversations. I couldn't remember things properly because my brain had really shut down like completely like windows restart when I'd been sick and had taken it's what's what's been now three weeks really to come back to something that's, that's actually functional. So, so yeah, you you say you you can't remember what we were talking about. I, I I can't remember at all. (laughs) It's gone. It's not here you're saying all that and i'm like welcome to menopause that's what menopause is like <laughs> over like years it. <laughs> it's really not pleasant i don't like it at all <laughs> no my brain it's what i mean things. you lot have all laughed at me for years because i'll forget what i'm saying halfway through a sentence or i can't remember the words that's what it's like oh yeah i've got i've got much more sympathy for you thanks no no, no it's, it's okay 
I understand. <laughs> I've spoken to you a couple of times this week about what's happening online with mm. one of my friends posting stuff that's really divisive. And I found out yesterday, or the day before, maybe yesterday, I can't remember, what gaslighting means. Do you know what gaslighting means? I absolutely do. And I'm very surprised that you haven't been exposed to that term before. I think I kind of have, and I think I understood it in the context that it was said in, but I hadn't kind of latched on to the actual terms. And when somebody explained to me, and to give a little bit of context here, the online coaching world seems to be all about the coach telling the client that they're wrong and that they're triggered and they just need to get over themselves no matter what's going on. That seems to be what a lot of coaches think coaching is. But there's no room for the client being right or knowing themselves at all. The assumption is that only the coach knows actually what's going on and only the coach can see through it. And what happens then is that the client will then say, I'm really not comfortable with that. But the coach will come back with, well, you're obviously triggered because you're wrong. You need to get over this. I'm saying this, and if it's triggered you, you need to get over it. And when you look at it from a certain perspective, that actually is gaslighting, isn't it? Isn't that the definition of gaslighting? Pretty much. Uh, I don't think it's quite the definition, but it's very close. tell Tell me what the definition of gaslighting is then. Well, I can't give you a dictionary definition off the top of my head because I don't have my notes for this. But generally... If you are in an argument with someone and you want to win, gaslighting is the tactic that people use to debase the other person's argument by calling them mentally unsound, basically. Their version of the world is incorrect. So I was exposed to the term when we were discussing Freud, actually, in Psychology 101, because Freud was a very persuasive speaker, very good writer. Uh, And he was absolutely insane. He was mental. Absolutely mental. And he had a number of young clients, women, who he absolutely took advantage of constantly and gaslit, really, into sleeping with him because he was just just a nasty piece of work, really. I I know this is a divisive topic for any psychologists listening, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) but generally speaking gaslighting is undermining another person's feeling of their mental soundness in order to win an argument so it is definitely a hallmark of abusive relationships first and foremost so a friend of mine said to her coach look i'm really not comfortable with what you're saying right now and the coach immediately came back and said this is just just you being triggered if you looked at what your soul or what God is saying to you, you'd hear that I was right and you need to get over yourself. That, to me, is gaslighting now that I understand what the term is because there is no room for that person to have their own truth, to go, okay, well, by my values, what you're saying or what you just did, it doesn't fit with my values. Well, yeah, I agree with you on that point. I was just thinking, actually, from the perspective of someone who has been coached in terms of sport coaching. I was coached for swimming, for example, for many years by an unnamed person. 
who definitely is the, at the other end of this conversation. And coaching in sport is where you start at a certain level and you want to go from where you are to a better place. And the coach doesn't say, terrible, we need to deconstruct you. You've got to stop what you're doing and do this. They say, okay, you're going this way, but we need to make what you're doing more efficient, better, faster. A coach is an um, auxiliary to your own interest in self-improvement. Does that make sense? It actually does, yeah. Now that yeah. you put it in that context, you know, and there are times when you'd go, oh, my God, I can't do this. And the coach, I'm talking of myself as well here, being <laughs> in, the, in, you know, in the pool, not wanting to do anymore, and the coach would go, you need to. You need to move beyond it. But it's not the same thing as saying that you're wrong. No, it's not. Because I think that's the point. I was swimming <clears throat> in a pool and I said to you, as I said many times, I really don't want to do this exercise. <laughs> Please just let me finish. I remember on a few occasions he said, okay, we can stop. You want, to, you, want, you want to stop? That's fine. We can leave. We can stop. You don't have to do this. It's okay. I understand. If you really don't want to, want to do this, you can just give up and we can go home. And mm -hmm. I go, wait, hang on a minute. That's not the. That's not what you're supposed to say. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm just complaining for the sake of complaining here. Really, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> You'd never say things like, "How dare you say things like that?" I am absolutely right. You're absolutely wrong. You can't argue with me. You've got to do what I say at all times, which is like I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but sounds in the general tone as what you're saying. Your friend has been saying in a, in there. Yeah, with that coach. Yeah, persona. So it's my friend being coached. It's not the coach. Okay. Yes. Sorry. So, yeah, it's, I just want to clarify that. I've got a bit lost there. So, <laughs> you know, even when I've coached people like you, Ryan, all through your life, there was rarely a point when I actually said, unless, no, this is totally not true as a mother. I've, I've said, for goodness sake, pack it in. Stop it. Don't be stupid. <laughs> I totally said all those things. Yeah, she did. But if, if we were having a genuine coaching conversation where I was trying to get a point across to you, I would never do that. I would get into your world and understand why you thought that. And then I'd try and move you around to a place that was more in alignment for you. But I would never go, no, you're wrong. And if you dig deep, you'll see that I'm right. There is such an arrogance in that. Yeah, there is. And I think another good parallel, actually, is I, I think I, it only happened maybe once, maybe twice while, while you were coaching me swimming. But we do an exercise, I think generally butterfly. And I'd say, <laughs> Mum, I, I just can't. I cannot do this. It's hurting. And you say, fine, cool, take a break. We'll do something else. And that was it. That was the end of the discussion. If, you, if someone says, I can't do this, it hurts me. That's the end of the discussion. There's no way you can go from there. No. I think what is missing when a coach makes you wrong is a basic understanding. Like I knew that you were going to try your hardest. And yes, you might try and wriggle out of it sometimes. But I know that that was what you were trying to do. And I'd ignore you. And you'd keep going. You know, you were yeah. just having a whinge. That's fine. Mm. But if you genuinely said, this is really hurting. Like, okay, right, that's it. And I'd be watching you and I'd go, no, that's, he's had enough. I'd know that you'd had enough. 
but I wouldn't make you wrong for it because you'd been trying up to that point. It's just opening my eyes to how toxic the whole life coach or a lot of the life coaching thing is. That's what's really bothering me. Like I couldn't put my finger on it. And when I saw it earlier this week, I'm like, oh, my Lord, that's, oh, that's not nice. Oh, I think a big part of it really is that a coach is supposed to be nurturing. You know, that's the, that's the purpose of a coach, really. You're supposed to nurture someone. And they've changed this industry into something that is very aggressive, very um, corrosive even, actually, I think it's a good word to use, because you're not really, you're not gently building someone up, which is all coaching. You can't go from someone who's just entered a swimming pool into the Olympics in the next session. That's not the point of it. It's, you've got to gently push them from one point to another. There is a difference between, because I'm not, I'm not a softly, softly kind of person. That needs to be said. Um, you know, there's, I, I, I don't do kind of, don't wuss out on me because, yeah, it's just not going to go well. But at the same time, there's got to be a basic respect for people. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for that respect of autonomy because a person who coaches someone is auxiliary to the person who wants to be coached. Like that's the start of the relationship is the person who wants to be coached. If they don't yeah. want to be coached, the relationship is over. I think the big thing that's actually bothering me about all of this now that I'm putting my finger in it, apart from the gaslighting, which is really obvious, mm-hmm. is that the coach puts themselves in the place of being 100% right all the time. There's no room for that coach's growth. There's no room for mutual development. And there's an assumption that the coach is perfect. And this particular coach actually started quoting God. God has told me what I need to do. And that's like, that's a big red flag for me. Mm. It's a fun one, isn't it? You know, you're, you're mm. quoting a figure of authority who is historically and religiously unquestionable. It's an interesting yeah, one. To start saying, I am God stroke soul led. And this is what, my, what God stroke my soul is telling me to do. I mean, personally, okay, just a little minor footnote. I think it's a bit silly to say, you know, my soul is telling me to do this because, I mean, really, isn't that everything that you do? Isn't, isn't that like the point, you know, of having a soul is that it tells you what to do? I'm just going to put that one out there. <laughs> but, but the question is, you know, if you're, and, and I don't understand this from religion, but, you know, the whole Old Testament was all about smite and, you know, an eye for an eye and blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus came along and went, oh, no, big hugs, everybody hug, group hug. <laughs> well, you really glossed over both books there. But, you know, you got I think you got the basic thrust of it, yes. <laughs> the basic, you know, that's the basic thread through those two Testaments, I mean, yeah, isn't yeah, it? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> There's a little bit of variation, but, you know, that's what happened. And... I'm just not for the divisive nature of I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not for that because there's no room for anybody else in that world. You're either a follower and a believer. It's like that's the basis of a cult. 
and a dictator. That's what a cult leader and a dictator does. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, generally, historically speaking, yes. I had something to say earlier about gaslighting. I've completely forgotten what it's about. <laughs> ah, yes, okay. I remember what it was. So because a coach is auxiliary to the person who wants to be coached, right, the purpose mm. of a coach in something like swimming is really just that they are outside of mm. you. They can see what your body's doing and they can mm. make decisions about what you should do that is unaffected by how tired you feel, which is a big part of coaching. It isn't a, a relationship in which you have to be completely dependent upon a coach. I think that's where the gaslighting comes in. The idea of gaslighting is a, from a, an abusive relationship and a relationship in which one person says, I'm absolutely right and you're going to have to deal with it. it, is gaslighting on every level. So the coach being auxiliary to you, <laughs> it's like you've got a place where you want to go and you say to somebody, I want to get there. Can you help me get there? Mm. And the coach says, yes, of course, that's what I'll do. But it's also the coach's responsibility to take care of you, not yeah. break you. So yeah. there's no use if you've injured a shoulder or your, your shoulder's hurting or something, there's, and there's no point in the coach saying, you need to keep going, positive thinking, think beyond <laughs> this, just ignore it, move beyond it. There is no point in saying that because if you've generally got a sore shoulder, you need to stop and rest the shoulder and find out what's going on. You know, although on the other end of that, if you are just, you know, if, you, if you've hit the wall, if your muscles are burning, you come out in a cold <laughs> sweat, you will want to stop. Yeah, you, you know, will. You'll say, I want to stop, coach. And the coach says, why? You say, because everything hurts. <laughs> they say, no, no sympathy. This is what you wanted. Keep going. <laughs> it's a real art in knowing when to push and when not. I think the, the thing is, you know, when you are coaching someone and they do hit that wall, which happens to everyone who's doing any kind of exercise, really, and they say, I really want to stop. The coach can say, do you want to stop? Like, really? Because if you mm. stop now, you're not going to get fit. That's it. Full stop. You can mm. if you want to, but you won't get fit. This is part of the process. Um, I think it really is a responsibility of a coach to explain what's going on in a way that they'll understand and will inform the person that's being coached, but won't pressure them into making either decision. There can't be any forcing, can there? No. And I cannot imagine ever working with any kind of coach, whether that's a sports coach or a life coach or whatever, and having that person yell at me from a space of, don't be so stupid, keep going, you're just rubbish, you'll <clears> never get anywhere, you'll never amount to it. I cannot imagine working with anybody like that. That's so toxic. You know what this has suddenly reminded me? of the existence of is directors, you know, as an actor, this, um, this contrast between the different kinds of coaches really brings directors to the forefront of my mind because you have a real school of thought in directors all across the world. It doesn't matter where you are, but once you get into the room with the director, they are 100% right and you are 100% wrong and they can yell at you which isn't a school of thought that I've ever sympathised with. 
at all. No. Um, as someone who has been trained to both act and direct, that's not something that has ever worked. And yet it continually surprises me when I direct something, how many people say, wow, you are so much nicer as a director. Just because I give them that choice. I say, look, this is what we're going for. This is where we're aiming. And I think if we do this, we can reach it. But if we don't do this, it'll be mediocre. As opposed to just yelling at them and gaslighting them, telling them they're terrible, which is mm. a real strategy in directors, actually. Like a terrible, terrible strategy, but very popular. It's fascinating that this is kind of spread around in certain relationships as acceptable because the other one that was coming up for me, the notorious one, is ballet. Ballet is, yes. is totally toxic like that. You know what it occurs to me why that happens is because this always happens to groups that are vulnerable. Ballet dancers have a really short window in which they can apply their craft in a highly competitive industry in which they need to be physically perfect all the time. And if they're not, they get discarded. Actors are a very similar boat. There are millions of us and, you know, only jobs for 1%. We can be easily discarded and we know it. We are very vulnerable. People who want to have their lives change because they're miserable, you can't get much more vulnerable than that. Yeah, it is totally an abuse of power. And it also shines a big light for me on how insecure and ego-driven the people who do that are. They've got to be totally insecure in who they are and themselves to want to treat anybody that way. Well, it certainly is a laugh, isn't it, that someone who says that they're able to help people become better, wiser, more transformed is doing that kind of thing. I'm reading posts by certain coaches, I swear to God, if you ever behaved like that, <laughs> there would have been a big problem. But it honestly sounds like the school kids in a playground, sounds like 13-year-olds going, we're over here and we're the cool kids and you can't come join us unless you worship me and you bring me this and you say I'm great. Otherwise, you go over there with all the morons over there because you're just stupid. And they literally have pretty much said exactly that. And then you've got all of these followers, and they are followers, going, oh, my God, yes, just so cool. Oh, my God, 100%. It's not healthy, people. So where does this discussion, this realisation, leave you? What will it change for you? It leaves me in an awkward position because... I know several coaches who behave in that way and I know them personally and I'm in social circles that they're in too. Because I know them personally, I also know that for all that they preach about being 100% authentic to yourself, be true to yourself, I also know they're completely different people in person to mm. what they are online, which brings up a level of hypocrisy that I just find stunning you talk about authenticity but you're a different person when you meet you in person that's that, that wasn't a good sentence that's not don't preach about something that you don't practice so yeah. there's that issue I think the issue for me is and I was talking to your dad about it last night and your dad said maybe they're having a rough one because of coronavirus you know they've been 
lockdown for however many months and they're not doing very well. Maybe. But for me, I don't know where to go with it. I don't know whether I actually should say something or whether I should just shut up because it's got nothing to do with me. Because the other problem is when somebody that I know does behave in a way that I know is out of integrity for who I know them to be, I turn into mum and I start telling people off, as you well know. And I don't want to do that. They're grown people. They know where I am. They want my opinion. They can come and get it. But at the same time, I feel out of integrity by not saying anything. That's where it leaves me. I have some input if you'd like it. I would love it, please. I've found, for me personally, that if I can't make up my mind about what to do about something that is obviously wrong, for one reason or another, I'm still too emotional about it. In order to make a clear decision and to have real clarity and understanding of what you want in the world and what you want to do in order to achieve that, you need to be completely clear of emotion while you make the decision. I've always found if I can't make my mind up about someone who's being wrong and I say, oh, I don't, I don't know, um, hum, ha, I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> it's, it's because a really large part of me just wants to smack him in the face. And the other options tend to get ruled out because they're just not violent enough. <laughs> and so I need to go away and, and do some deep breathing, do some meditation exercises, enjoy the sunshine a little bit, maybe throw some plates around and then come back and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now that I'm not angry anymore. Because it's generally anger. It could be fear, but it's generally anger for me. Yeah. There's a, a lot of disappointment in there as well. I can, yeah, I can imagine. On a number of levels, I think, because it is a betrayal of what you're trying to do as mm. well. It's a betrayal yeah. of everything I believe in. So you've got the hypocrisy. You've got the fraud. And fraud and it's so infuriating. There's no emotion more corrosive than frustration, I've found. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to, I think you need to, to deal with that personally and then you'll have the clarity to know what you want to do then i think you're right i need i need time i really just need time i suppose disappointment is is a crying kind of thing isn't it well honestly you know if you if i get frustrated enough i'll cry with frustration it's not it's not very often (laughs) but it's you know the feeling don't you i do that powerlessness which is just so infuriating i have my morning conversations with jane as you know Mm, and yes i brought this to the table in our conversation yesterday and i got (laughs) fairly well smacked around the head very nicely of course well i think that's um, that's a great example of coaching actually isn't it it is because to me coaching is holding a space for somebody to see for themselves it's not about beating them around the head with it it's holding a space and jane held a space for me as she always does and i stepped into it and it just allowed me to see what was going on and what is going on in this case for me and i am still caught up in it it's going to take a few days for it to dissipate but basically what goes on for me is i turn into older sibling that mum's left in charge And you're all behaving like a bunch of morons. And then if one of you starts quoting the higher authority to me, like, well, mum said I can, I get really annoyed because it's obviously not true. 
<laughs> you're yeah. lying to me and you're trying to manipulate the situation. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where I go with it. Okay. And do you yeah. think that you are responsible? I do feel responsible, action. yes. But then I feel responsible for a lot of people's actions. I think if I know you personally and I like you, mm. I feel responsible for your actions. I take some form of responsibility for you, which I haven't actually realised till I said just then. <laughs> I do. I it makes do. sense. It does make sense, though, doesn't it? You know, we yeah. naturally will try to form a community of people. And then when we've got that community of people that we like and we admire and we trust, when one person breaks that trust, it hurts the whole community. We all it does have to hurt. take responsibility for it. Yeah, it does. And do you know one of the big things that bothers me about this whole kit and caboodle that's going on is this <laughs> preaching about you only know your best for yourself and it's all about that individualism. I'm, I'm all for everybody being true to themselves. Mm. But we all work as part of a community and a society, a family, whatever, you know, the groups get bigger and bigger. We're in, we're in a relationship, we're in a family, we're in a community, we're in a society, we're in a country. We're part of that. And unless we take responsibility for our part in that, society can't function which is exactly what is happening in america and to a lesser extent here in australia you know the more individuals we got well i'm not doing that this whole wearing a mask thing or not wearing a mask to me it's literally about a responsibility to the people around me that's all it's about and it's on the same level as don't go into your neighbor's house and steal something it's literally on the same level to me. You want to like it done to you, don't do it to somebody else. And that's the other thing that's bothering me, this taking this, well, I'm going to do what I want because it's right for me to a point where it damages other people. That's something else that really upsets me. It's very selfish. We've all got to take care of ourselves and do what's right for ourselves. And we've also got to function within a community of different well, sizes. Have you heard of the balloon experiment? So no. it's a fun little anecdote for, um, for how community works. So the idea is that at a conference, I think in Hong Kong at one point, during the middle of the conference, they were talking about teamwork. And so there were about a thousand people in this room and they released a thousand balloons into the room. Each of the balloons had someone's name on it that corresponded to a person in the room. And they said, all right, everyone, find your balloons. And it was, of course, as you can imagine, chaos. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> chaos. And no one could find their balloons. Oh, our very few people did, which I think is an excellent parallel for capitalism, but we'll talk about that another time. But then they said, all right, stop. Everyone helps someone else find their balloon. Right? If you've got a balloon in your hands that says, you know, Ben Jeffries, <laughs> find Ben Jeffries. It's going to be much easier to find the balloon. And the whole thing was solved in a matter of five minutes, ten minutes. And I think it's a, a really excellent parallel between selfishness and working together, helping other people, like very specifically helping other people. Because the idea of working you know, for society is a really nebulous idea. Mm. But working specifically for another person, you know, another demographic, another community is really, it can only help if you want to help. 
if you're concerned about your own life when you make decisions, if you only do things because they benefit you, no wonder this has become a balloon race. That is a really good analogy. And it took me back to the Landmark Advanced Course, Landmark mm. Education's Advanced Course, because what they say in that is that if you look after yourself, you've got one person against the world. But if you just forget about yourself and look after the other 30 or 40 people on the course and you take responsibility for them getting everything out of the course that they can, then all of a sudden you've got 30 or 40 people mm. taking care of you. And that feeling of knowing that you were okay, everybody had your back, like don't worry about yourself. Everybody else is going to make sure, is going to do what is necessary to make sure that you get it and you just do the same for other people. That was so powerful. I think which leads back to the coaching thing, isn't it? Doesn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. That is the purpose of a coach. You you have to remove. <laughs> Sorry, there's crow in the background. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 leads us back to the the thing we were saying about coaching. Because the purpose. Of... <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> Just keep going. I had to try and edit um, a podcast I was doing with Kieran the other week around the crow calls. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, it leads us back to what we were saying about the coaches because. That's the purpose of a coach is to help, very specifically help other specific people with their specific problems. And the yeah. more you make it about yourself, the, the more it becomes about you and not about them. You know, if you say I'm right, it suddenly it becomes a worship, doesn't it? It, it doesn't does. become a, a, a helping hand. It becomes a, someone kneeling, someone groveling. It's a very competitive thing, and it's also a very isolationist thing, isn't it? It is isolating. That's a good point. I'm right. What about everyone else in the world? Can I go and talk to someone else? Are they right too? No, you're right. Okay. No. I can only talk to you. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. It. It's just us, and I can only it's rely very... on you. And that's one of the key things of gaslighting, isn't it? It is. That it's it a, manipulates the, yeah. the receiver into believing that everybody else is wrong. And they can only listen to that person. Stockholm syndrome is the same, similar kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot of these power plays are based on the same kind of principles. And the principle is that if a human being feels vulnerable, they will seek safety at any cost. But the isolation side of it, that's really interesting. <laughs> well, I think at, at a certain level, we know that people will seek safety at any cost if they're vulnerable. And so that for the people who want power over other people, all they've got to do is portray themselves as a safe place and the only safe place. And that's what's happened with this I think coach. So. Sad, sad. Right, I think we better leave it there, Ryan. I was about to say, I think we're, I think we're pretty much finished with that conversation, haven't we? It was a good one. No, I thought that went pretty well. And maybe start a new series, Philosophical Discussions. Thank right. you so much, my darling. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.